Welcome everyone to Overcome Podcast, episode 50. Uh, and to celebrate this uh, fifth episode, uh, we have here today uh, multiple times world champion in Jiu Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, my friend Rafael Formiga. Rafael, thank you very much for being here today. Welcome, guys. Thank you for inviting me, Yuri. Thank you. Rafael, uh, we talk a lot about overcoming challenges and uh, as a multiple times uh, world champion and uh, a gin owner, I know that there is a lot of things that you overcame just for the fact to be here, right? So let's start back in the day uh, when you were still in Brazil. Um, a lot of people say that the challenge in Jiu-Jitsu really starts when you become a black belt, but uh, do you agree that uh, until you get to that point, uh, the challenges are not so big and, and the, most of the challenges we, we start when you become a black belt? Uh, I agree and disagree. I agree because when you get a black belt, a lot of people think, oh, right now I'm a black belt, I can relax, it's the opposite, right? When you get a black belt, everything becomes harder because you have the heavy belt in your waist and now you gotta like really work hard to keep your level. You cannot relax anymore because if you relax, the new generation come and then you're gonna be done, you know? Uh, that's my vision. But also, to be able to get as a black belt, become a black belt, you gotta work hard a lot, you know? And that's not easy at all. Like, a lot of times uh, in my journey, I've thought about to just stop training, stop competing, and try to find a real job, right? That's mm -hmm. what my parents asked me. Oh, stop playing jiu-jitsu, go find a real job and make good money. You know, you gotta study and go to the college and then like, thank you God I didn't listen to them and they end up here uh, and now I can I can live just by jiu-jitsu. No, I do nothing besides jiu-jitsu. That's my main job. My whole family just uh, provide the money just coming from my jiu-jitsu academy and my jiu-jitsu competition, sponsorship everything between Jiu-Jitsu, you know. This is great. Uh, and I think you touched a really important point because um, a lot of people, I think, have the same struggle in the beginning. And uh, many times when we are uh, part of the color belt, blue, purple, brown, there, is, there are many times that we think of giving up uh, because it, it's really hard. Sometimes things don't work the way uh, that you want and, and what would be your advice for you know people that are starting and are getting frustrated that they think they are not learning uh, what would be your advice to continue to evolve uh, my advice like of course uh, between enjoy the journey you know because like everybody has that time when you got in some point and you thought you just stuck in there you know and that happened with a lot of times you know have happened with a lot of people you know but if you keep training, somehow some new technique will show up, some new thing gonna come to you, and that's gonna be a game change. And then everything gonna one single day, you go in that level for one year, and so one single thing people show you, a new technique can be a little grip, whatever thing can be a game change. And then we start to develop a new technique again, everything starts to go up one more time, you know? Mm -hmm. And then again, another plateau, and then you stay a little bit there until you get another new thing and then start to go up one more time, you know? That's just the journey in Jiu-Jitsu, you know? That happens with everybody. I can guarantee every single person who is a black belt or color belt, you already passed for there. And then those guys who's become a successful black belt was those person who didn't give up in the time that happened, you know? Yep. I have so many 
really good friend who is also to destroy me in jiu-jitsu, you know? And those guys just quick for no reason or for some of those reasons maybe, you know? And those guys can be way better than me and now they have another job, they're not happy, you know? And I always want the person who is never give up. I always try to continue, keep my focus, keep my constant goal training, you know? And then that's why I'm here. That's why I'm like, people ask, ah, what is your secret to be good in competition, be good as a professor? I just keep doing. I never stop, never stop. Every single time I try to learn new things. I try to learn the new techniques with my students, you know? I'm a big fan from cross training. I tell my students to always go cross training with other people. I'm oh, really? That's that's yeah. really that's that's rare because most of the Brazilian professors they don't like cross training. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm the opposite from the old generation, you know, uh, BJJ schools. You know, like I I encourage my guys to go cross training because in my opinion that's the best way to be a little competitor without competing. Makes sense, like. Mm -hmm with you we never train together i don't know your game you don't know my game and then first time you're training gonna be like a little real match in the competition right yeah but you don't have the pressure to win or lose because i don't care this is just training you know and that teaching me how to deal with different people every single time and also teaching me how to learn with the other people and then I start to, after I start to tell my students to cross train, my gym starts to get way better because my students get way better. And awesome, all my, I, I, just for you to see one good example, I have one blue belt long time ago in Connecticut when people start to do the warm guard, you know? And that blue belt is love the warm guard. And he paid to do the seminar with Kenan Cornelius, one of the, the best business in the warm guard, right? Yep. The person create. And then I told him, please go there. And like he asked me my if my advice, can I go? I said, man, please go. And when he come back, teach me everything that we learn. Mm -hmm. And he got back to my place and he teach me every single thing he learned in that in that seminar. And I just learned it warm guard with my blue belt. That's crazy. People say, man, you're black belt. In that point, I think I was fourth degree already. And he said, man, you black belt fourth degree. And then you ask for your blue belt teacher. I said, yeah, man. That's the opportunity I have. I, I didn't have time to go learn with Kenan that day. And then that's why I learned with my blue belt, you yeah, know? That's, like, that's people, awesome. Yeah, the people is not humble enough to learn, but I mean, I am. I don't care. I just, whatever person who can teach me, if I see it's a good technique, I will be like really pay attention learning from anyone. I don't care. That's, you know? that's really honorable because I, I know also that in this sports, there is a lot of ego about... Uh, when you reach black belt, you're like untouchable and you only listen to other black belts. So that's really cool from you to, to do that. Now you have a, a, a really extensive uh, curriculum uh, when it comes to competition. How do you stay healthy uh, or at least injury free to be able to compete so much? Because it's, it takes a toll on your body, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure if you ever had a major uh, uh, injury that you had to stop for some time? Never. Thank you, God, never. I start training at was 10. I'm 39 now. For 29 years, I'm on the match every single day. I think the long time off I take was one month for vacation. I never take it longer than one month time off the match. No injuries, never did a surgery because jiu-jitsu. I did a few surgeries, not because jiu-jitsu. No injuries in jiu-jitsu at all. 
And then I they, I think the secret for that happening is two things. One, my game help. That's luck, okay? Uh, the butterfly game, I'm kind of doesn't smash my body too much. I never upside down. I don't get a, like crazy rollings over my neck. You know, that helped me to don't injure myself. And then awesome, I don't have ego. I'm the first person to tap when I'm training. You're never going to see, man, look for me. He, he almost let the guy break his arm. No, never happened. Maybe in competition, but never in the gym. And mostly people get injuries in the gym, not in the competition, right? Yep. And because like I know my, my limits, and I'm always gonna tap before I, I get at that limit, you know, because I don't wanna hurt myself. And I I really think it's a dumb mistake to take it to that way, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of young guys who say, no, I let it break, I don't care, you know, I just wanna be tough. In my mind, if you break your arm, you're gonna be one year, one, six months off the match, and that's really dumb because you're gonna take like six months not learning, not see, be off shaping, you know, like that's my opinion. It's the worst decision the person can have is take the limit in the point you hurt yourself and not be able to keep going, you know? And that's like you said, is ego. Most of the time it's ego the problem. Now people like, oh I don't wanna tap for that blue belt, for the purple belt, brown belt, whatever belt the guy is and that's most of the time when the guy the guy get an injury, you know. So even when you were like blue, purple, you never had any injury? Never, never got any injury. Thank you, God. I think, I also, I think a uh, few facts help me, you know. When you start young, you kind of build your body to do what you're doing, right? Right. I uh, match every day for uh, 29 years, you know. I, I used to train uh, between 10 to 28 years old. I used to train three times a day, you wow. know. My whole body was building training jiu-jitsu, you know. Like, uh, I, 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 I'm not too flexible. But for jiu-jitsu, I'm crazy flexible. Makes mm-hmm. sense, like, if you mm-hmm. ask me, Omega, can you touch your toe when you're standing? No. But can you bring both your legs above your head? Yes, because that's my <laughs> game, you know. I play uh, recovering my leg all the time, you know. My jiu-jitsu is all, bu- my body's all building around jiu-jitsu. And I think that's uh, one of the reasons I don't get a lot of injuries as well. So you don't really train, do any other training other than jiu-jitsu, like lift weights, you don't do anything I, like I, that? I started to lift weight uh, maybe six months ago. I mean, I did it like in my prime, you know, when I was uh, between 18 to 32, I, I did seasons for preparation. You know, I do physical condition, not lifting, physical conditions, you know, like kind of crossfit, you know, like we right. do the, like some like circuit trainings and all those mm-hmm. things. But lifting, like just go to the gym, lifting like everybody does. I just started six months ago. Because I start to feel my my elbows, my shoulder, my knee a little bit loose, and I start to lift to like a little, really old man, like an old man, just to make sure I build muscle around my my joints to be able to don't injure myself. That's what I'm doing now. I do three times a week. I lift on the gym three times a week from six months ago to now. You know. And and nowadays you still training every day jujitsu. I do train every day, and I I train with all my young guys. You know, I don't have. I mean, I have three guys on my age. Marcus Antelanti is the one. My main my main trainee is him. He's from Irish BJJ. One my black belt. He joined Irish BJJ, and Marcus is my main trainer on my age. You know, we are same division. We close all the competition together. Thank you, I have him on my team because uh, not on my team on my group. Uh, because that way you can really test yourself and see how you're going, you yeah. know. But uh, beside him, most of my guys is 
below 30, you know, and that helped me a lot because I, I want to push like they push. And in my mind, I think like if they can do that, I can do as well. And then that's why I'm doing that. Keep pushing me and keep myself a little young, you know. So last year you finished as number one in your division, number one rank uh, in the IBJJF rank, right? You're right. Uh, the last nine years, size I got, a, I joined the master division when I turned 30. Until now, I'm the number one overall in the rank, yes. And, uh, okay, so after nine years being the number one in your division, year over year, what really motivates you to do it uh, so good another year, right? Because a lot of people, when they get to that point, they were like, okay, I'm going to slow down this year. I'm not going to compete that much. I'm going to take care of my business. There is also a lot of people that say now I'm, I have to, to concentrate on my business I'm gonna take one year off you never thought about this uh yes but soon I take a month off not competing I just say no that's not for me I need to compete. <laughs> uh I be honest I think the competition was keeping me motivated for keep teaching keep training and do everything if I don't have one competition let's say I already start my camp for Penance, right? Mm -hmm. uh, my, my, my personal camp, not my camp for my students, you know? Right. I start to push myself for the day we start the camp, I'd be ready for the camp, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's pumped me up, you know? I'm ready training uh, way better. I don't miss any day on the gym lifting. I, you know, I do everything, each clean, you know, I try to do everything to put myself in shape, be ready for competition, you know? And I think the, those competition is the main reason to keep me training, keep me competing. All the time I'm doing the preparation, I think, why am I doing that? I'm 39 years old, I have nothing to prove. Right, you have nothing to prove, exactly. Like, so I win the competition, I say, that's why. That's why I'm here. I love that feeling too be the best guy in that day you know i know that's not me i'm the best guy ever i'm the best guy in that day you know mm -hmm. maybe one day one the next day one guy can beat me again you know but i try to don't that let that happen training even more to the next time be able to be even better the next guy the same guy you know yeah i was talking to megaton diaz when uh, we were at the oklahoma city open uh, recently and i asked a similar question to him and uh, one thing that has happened with him is that he already achieved so many things in the master that now he is he is competing in the adults division and he said that is is like an additional challenge for him do yeah. you do you also think that you're gonna do that at some point i thought about but the problem i i, I the only competition i want to do as a do is going to be the water though and to become to compete in the water though you need to score points and to score points, I need to compete in the, those opens as a dog, you know? Right. Honestly, I don't think I have, maybe people say yes, but I don't think I have the talent anymore, you know? Because I can tell when I roll with the young guys on my division, I can tell the speed is different, you know? I can do really well for six or seven minutes, you know, maybe eight, but I don't think I can do really good for 10 minutes. Hmm. And if I cannot be a champion, I don't see why I'm gonna do that. You know, like yeah. what, what's the point to go there and win one or two matches and get a beat up in the 31 when I get somebody in the high level, you know? And that's the that's the only reason I'm not doing. Maybe if I do a single match, let's say I get the world champion as I'm in the middleweight, that's my division, uh, to do a super uh, super fight. I think that way it can take because I can definitely take somebody for 10 minutes, but I don't think I will be able 
to compete in six rounds, 10 minutes, like in the competition, like a world or any other competition. Yeah. Five, you know, I think like after two or three rounds, my my card is going to start to go down and the, the young guys are still going up, you know, and I think uh, that can be a problem. It's hard. Know? It's really hard. And, and, Mega, yeah. and Megaton was telling me that with this young generation, they are so fast that when you are thinking about the movement, they are like two movements ahead. Yeah, uh, just because they are just too fast. So you feel the same way? Definitely, hundred percent. You know, I start to change my game to training for those guys. You know, my main game is butterfly and actually watch single X. What what a, a open game, you know. And when I go with those young guys, I try to play more lapel, lasso, you know, because that way you can stop the speed. And then technique, I think my technique maybe is better than a lot of those guys. But like the speed and the strength, they definitely can beat me, you know? And I try to use the technique to stop that and kind of equal, you know? That's the way I do when I train with those guys in the gym. You know? and, and in the master division, you feel comfortable where you are uh, or you plan to, for example, move up so you don't have to cut weight anymore? No, I like to be in the middleweight, you know? I, I like to play open class as well, right? I've been doing like always middleweight and open class and maybe go up to middle heavy, gonna be good. But the problem about I go up to middle heavy, I, I'm not that tall and I will put in more fat. I don't wanna be fat, I wanna be lean, you know? Mm -hmm. That's why I keep middle weight. I don't need to do crazy diet to be middle weight. Uh, I $40 open, we saw, you saw that last week. And then I was two pounds over, eating everything, two pounds. I cut two pounds. Wow. And two days before, I just do cuts. Uh, I didn't drink any soda. And I, I start to eat clean for two days and I cut those two pounds and that's it, you know? That was my diet for dollars open. So you don't you don't have to sacrifice anything? No, 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 not anymore. I used to do a lot, but not anymore. Now, I mean like, that's my natural way. I walk around 182, 185, you know? I just need to cut for 170, 170 uh, 178, you know? And that's fine. I was 181 the last competition before I check my weight, you know? That no, that's great. That's great. Um, and when when it comes to to the business, how do you uh, keep this two? Because at the end of the day, it's almost like two formiga, right? The formiga business owner that have to worry about the business and how the business is growing, and the formiga athlete. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you keep that balance? Yeah, that's, that was a challenge for me when I started, you know. I have my academy for two years. I always teach for somebody else until two years ago when we decided to open the academy. The first year was hard to understand how the balance there, you know. Like, okay, I need to be full-time on the gym because now pretty much me and my wife, we do everything. I clean the gym, we, we do front desk, we do the phone calls, we respond all the leads, you know. That's not easy. But me and my wife, we work really well as a team, you know. I take care about people when they walk in on the match and she take care about the people before they walk in, you know, like everything, internet, uh, people calling, you know, everything that's with her. And then soon they walk in the gym, that's with me, you know, mm -hmm. and they're working really easy. That's pretty much what I've been doing for my whole life, you know, and they'll work really well. And now I'm able to manage it. Thank you, God, you're doing really good here. I, I'm able to have two, uh, three structures now, you know, I have, uh, Victoria sees one purple belt. She's crazy good, world champion. I have Monique. She's really good. She's like a brown belt, world champion as well, you know. And I have Rodrigo. Uh, that's Tattoo, my partner, uh, young brother, Rodrigo Lopes. 
Uh, he's my right arm. He's the black belt, 20 years old, 28 years old. He's been helping me a lot. Between those three guys and me, we've been working really well here. And uh, for me, when, because you said uh, uh, you are black belt, how many uh, degrees? Fifth degree. Fifth Five. degree. So every time that you have to increase your degree, do you go back to Brazil to your original uh, uh, sensei to, to, to give you the degree? No, not, my, my both, I have two coaches, right? My, my coach, his name is Alexei Cruz and Andre Almeida. And both live here. One live in, in Maine. Alexei Cruz live in Maine. And the Deco, Andre Almeida, he live in Boston. You mm. know? And uh, I just got a, I recently was in December. I got my fifth degree. And I bring both to teach a seminar in my academy. And they're waiting. Oh, nice. Very yeah. cool. Very uh, cool. All the time I need to get a, like, learning new techniques or get a, any stripes, I go to the, the academy with them. And then we're able to, to train together. Now, jiu-jitsu is definitely your life. You live for that. So you are used to the challenge. Uh, you are used to uh, take new challenges and move on. Now, we as, uh, as uh, immigrants coming from Brazil, uh, myself included, we always have some challenges when we move uh, from Brazil to here. Uh, for you, what was the main challenge when you moved? I think the main challenge was the language. You know, I didn't speak any English when I got here. It was zero English, zero, nothing. I didn't get a, like, my only word I know is how much, but I don't understand when people say how much it is the price. <laughs> and then I start to learn it on my way. I moved to U.S. to uh, 12 years ago, and we don't have a smartphone at that point. I used to have the book and to find the words, you know, I say the word in Portuguese and try to find the, the, the words in there and go translate, you know, the dictionary, you know, like it was crazy, crazy hard now. Now I can Google, may, I don't know, maybe it was easy to me to learn that point because I think now people with the Google Translate and people doesn't doesn't try to study. I right, was, right. I was forced to study because they don't have a Google Translate or anything like that. And then they're forcing me to, to learn the English, but I pretty much learned, uh, learned all the English teaching Jiu-Jitsu. was everything on the mat, you know? I'm really glad to have Jiu-Jitsu. And also I think because, uh, because people really want to understand me, everybody has a uh, time, take a time to try to understand and try to teach me something. And that helped me to make uh, make myself learn a little bit fast, you know? Yeah. And did you but move did, did you move straight to Texas or you were in a, a different place? I moved from Brazil to Connecticut. I live in Connecticut for seven years. And then four years ago, almost five years ago, I moved to here, uh, Texas. And I'm super happy here. That's definitely the best change I did in my life was moving from Connecticut to here. Nothing against Connecticut. I love all my students in Connecticut, all, all the people in Connecticut. But Connecticut is super cold. The weather is terrible. And I'm from Rio de Janeiro, right? Yeah, yeah. Rio de Janeiro has a hot weather. The winter in Rio de Janeiro is about 65 degrees, you know? And in Connecticut, we have five months super cold, you know? And then... Like I, I did uh, every single time in the winter, I got a little depressed. I want to move back to Brazil, yeah. and I decided to move to Texas was the best thing I did in my life. Yeah, and uh, I can totally relate to that because I'm from Fortaleza. We are a little bit harder than you in Rio, so we are 75 all year long. But yeah. uh, it's it's great. I love Texas. I love uh, the weather, the people. 
And uh, actually, during the pandemic, Texas was one of the strongest states that kept jiu-jitsu going while everyone else was closed. Yes, uh, I remember, like, I still have a lot of affiliation in Connecticut and New York, right? And then, like, we are open here full set, full session. Everybody, no mask, training, everything, like, four months after COVID hit, right? And then I went to New York to competing. And then getting there, all the academies closed. That's one year after. I said, man, what you guys, that's crazy. That's completely another word to me because, like, we don't have matches anymore. We don't talk about COVID and you guys, everything is too close. Nobody working. It's crazy. That was crazy for me to see that. I'm glad to be in Texas. Definitely, man. Texas, Texas and Florida definitely is the best state in, in the U.S. now, for sure. Yeah. So uh, talking about Florida, the, the Pan AM will be in Florida in uh, April, next month already. So when a, for a competition like that, you said that you start the camp. Uh, so you usually start a camp like one month before or, or depends on the competition? No, uh, the camp, uh, my camp starts one month before. What I'm doing, I try to prepare myself two weeks before the camp. And the camp I do two weeks before the competition. That takes me uh, four weeks, right? Mm. Uh, I start to train, eat, eating better, eat a little bit clean, start to lift a little bit heavy. That way I will, I will build in some muscle on my body to be ready for the camp. And then two weeks before the competition, we have the camp for, uh, with all the students coming, uh, people from another country and other states to do the camp with you guys. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So that's the that's the that's one of the biggest change because you're going to have more people uh, training with you, right? Yes, we have. Last year, we did the Pan Am's camp, World Adult Camp, World Master Camp, and World Nogi Camp. Uh, we have about 100 people on the match. And from those 100 people, I would say at least 20 or 25 is from another state or another country to come to training for us. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's a, and during the camp, you are basically doing roles. There is, or there is also technique. No, no. It's a lot of technique, a lot of drilling. Uh, besides to warm up, running, and do all those things we used to do in the past, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we drill techniques. We show a lot of techniques. I, I, we try to show at least three techniques every single day in the camp. And from those techniques, yeah, depend what day we can go for a specific training. Just talk about the, the technique during the during the week, or we can put situations. You know, we do a lot of different things, not just rolling. We do rolling, but just two times a week. The other three times or four times a week, we're gonna do something different before we go for the rolling. You know. Yeah, uh, that, that's great. Um, now changing changing gears a little bit here because I'm gonna touch in a, an area that is very important also many for, uh, for the masters that, uh, and for people that are starting, uh, there is a, a, a big debate about starting jiu-jitsu after 40s because your body is not conditioned like yours was conditioned since you were young. But when you start after 40, you have a lot of uh, limitations on the flexibility in a lot of things. So uh, what, is, uh, what one should do uh, when they start late uh, to train jiu-jitsu, what are some of the key things that you recommend uh, to this person to continue to evolve? Because sometimes after 40, it's really hard for you to train like every single day, rolling every single day, right? So how can you continue to evolve at the same time that you are saving your body and avoiding injuries? That's, that's a good question. Uh, first, I think it, if you train at least three times a week, that's enough. 
okay? And if you're over 40, my recommendation, one day training, a day off. Train, day training, another day off. That way you give enough time for your body recover and be ready for the next day, right? And also, my suggestion is don't do what people tell you to do. Try to uh, do what your body allows you to do, right? Let's say I show tonight Della Riva Sweep. And for some reason, I'm too old. My leg doesn't move well to be around the leg and put the hook, right? Mm -hmm. My body tells me that's not a good position for myself, right? I I need to go for my coach and say, listen, coach, I understand the technique. I can see what is coming, but my leg is not flexible enough. I don't have strength enough for whatever reason to do that technique. Can you do some little adjust to make that happen? Or do I need to look for another technique? Maybe your coach can give you the little tools to like, okay, besides to go around that way, push the leg a little bit farther, that way you're going to be able to hook, mm-hmm. you know? Or he can say, okay, that's not going to be a good position for you. Besides to go for the De La Riva, let's go for the spider one, you right, know? Something right, Like, try to see whatever you can do, it. you know? Like, uh, I have some big guys here who want to play bottom, and they move so slow, and say, listen, man, nothing, nothing wrong to be big and play bottom, but if you move too slow, you give a lot of time for the guy move. Let's do this. We ain't go for big, small people. Try to be on top. You know, that way you can use your body pressure, body weight to help you to hold the person. You know? And when you go with some other big guy, you can play bottom because the big guy going to be slow like you. And then you guys can play a little bit slow piece, but it's going to be more strength. And they strength the big guys most of the time. They have the strength, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I try to teach them how to understand how the game can work or not. And if they see the game doesn't work at all, just change. Go for another game. You know, we have so many variations. Go for another technique. Try to apply other things until you find something who is really good for you, you know? Yeah, and, and, and that's a great advice. And, and, and perhaps one of the reasons why also people uh, get injury is usually trying to do something that their body is just not conditioned to do, right? And mm-hmm. forcing a situation that they are not... Uh, 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 condition to apply and you gave a, a, a perfect example of the De La Riva some, some people just don't have the flexibility after 40s to do those movements so it, it's good that uh, you, you use this approach to say okay let's leverage what you have best in your body to do your movements mm-hmm. yeah yeah perfect and also like I think as well like Another thing I try to teach my students, that's a really good advice. After I start to teach that for my students, my students to go level up. Uh, of course, as a white belt and blue belt, sometimes it's hard to do that. But as a purple belt, in my opinion, every single purple belt, you need to know what game you have. You know, If you're a purple belt, you don't know your game, something's wrong. You know, Because as a white belt, you can play a little bit of everything. You don't know anything here. You want to test yourself and see what works better for you. As a blue belt, you're supposed to start to say, hey, Formiga, I know I prefer to be on bottom, or I know I prefer to be on top. But from bottom, I felt really comfortable when I have a double sleeve or when I have a calling sleeve. And that tell me, okay, if you like to have a double sleeve, you can play that game. If you like to have a calling sleeve, you can play that game. If you prefer to be on top with the grips, you know, whatever the guys give me the, the opportunity to explain, and I'm going to build in the, the, the game for that person on the, the best grip they have, the best situation they feel, you know. And I believe every single purple belt and above is supposed to have a game 
em From That Game, you start developing more techniques and more techniques, of course, until you building a big lack, until you have a lot of techniques, you know? Uh, talking about game, you already mentioned that uh, you, you do have a very well-established game uh, mm -hmm. on the butterfly, but uh, when you are in a fight and you are positioned in a situation that this really is not your game, uh, do you always go to, to a, a, a fight already thinking what you're going to do or you adapt Uh, your plan according to the situation because a lot of people say I'm gonna go and do this then suddenly They are exposed to a situation that they were like, oh shit I I really cannot do what I need to do now. I need to do something else, right? So, so I, I know that for black belts. They always see multiple uh, uh, paths to follow but uh, Did you ever had that situation that you were like, oh shit, I need to change my plan now Yes, I do have different ways are uh, the same situation like Uh, the good thing, like you said, right, as a black belt, because you train so much, you're able to develop it from every single situation a way to go back for your game. That's my goal, right? Whatever way you are, I, I will probably have one little way to adjust myself and go back for my game, mm -hmm. all right? But let's say that doesn't happen for some reason. The guy beaming out my, th out, out my chance to go back to my game, I still know a lot of other techniques which I can apply, not really well like my game, but can be enough to end up sweeping the guy or passing the guy guard or whatever, whatever situation I need to be, you know? But uh, my suggestion, like, I did that for my whole life, and that's why I, I believe I'm a good instructor and good on, on almost, almost every technique in Jiu-Jitsu. Every single day my, my coach teaches a technique There, uh, I don't know uh, the way people train, but in my academy, uh, we have a uh, week topping, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say this week talking about passing De La Riva, all right? And then if that week my coach talk about passing De La Riva, I force myself to allow the guy to put him in the De La Riva to be able to apply all the passings he teach me, you know? And if the next week he talking about take down, I'm gonna be on my feet and try to apply all the take down he's teaching me, mm -hmm. you know? And that way uh, helped me a lot to develop a little bit from everything, mm -hmm. you know? I still have my main game. I mean, I always look for my main game. But in, uh, every week I try to apply all the technique he's teaching me. That way I start to learn really well every single technique and be able to like see, okay, if that happened, I need to go for the next step and the next step. And if for some reason nothing work, I'm go back to my game, you know, like yep. I like that, you know. That's what that's what helped me a lot to understand how to teach people, and then also to understand how to apply the technique in the real time, you know. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was about your cardio, and I know that one of the 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 key aspect of uh, of the cardio is also how you breathe right um, mainly in situations that you are uncomfortable if you panic you're gonna spend a lot of energy uh, did you had problems in the beginning when you were like blue or purple to manage uh, your your gas in other words you were gassing out really fast because you were uh, not able to control uh, the situation and you're just spending a lot of energy doing nothing Uh, yes, uh, I mean, my cardio always was good because I start young, you know, when you're right. young, you do the cardio, right? 
But the thing about briefing the right time and don't get a panic, I think that helped me to start young. When I started, I was 10. In the past, in the, in the back of the day, we don't have kids' class. It's all combined, right? My Jiu-Jitsu Academy, from 10 years old to 14, I trained with all the adults. And the adults, most of the time, my coach put me with the guy who's tired already. The guy just want to lay down <laughs> on me and take a time, right? Yeah, yeah. I try to do everything, nothing work because I have no strength, and the people just breathe on me, you know? But also, that helped me to not panic because for my whole beginnings, like my first three years, Pretty much, I was on bottom. People smashed me. I was like, I was smashed by 100 kilos, guys. You know, 200 pounds, 220. You know, guys in Brazil who is smashing me. I was little kid, like 10 years old, probably about 45 kilos, 50 kilos, and just get all those guys smashing me. And that helped me to be comfortable. Now, when the big guys be heavy on me, I just feel okay. That's nothing for me. I'm used to being in that situation all the time. You know, I never panic in those situations, you know. I'm really calm in those positions, and that definitely helped me to be calm. And another thing what I think uh, helped my cardio to be really good, uh, the way I train. I'm really aggressive on my training, you know. Aggressive in the good way, of course. Like, I try to don't stop until the time done, you know. That's my goal. I, I try to play with the other guy's mind, like to work super hard and push, push, push to make the other person guys out. And that way I can start to go easy after. And most of the time after the guys get, the guy guys out, I'm able to do whatever I want, you know, yeah. and one of my goals. And one thing I do help a lot, like uh, I have it explosion times. Let's say I'm fighting for six minutes, right? I cannot go six minutes straight and don't stop moving, right? Right, right. Two is I break down in, in small windows. Like, let's say I decide to attack for one minute or 30 seconds. And then I will have 10 seconds stop, catch my breath, you know, and then another 30 seconds. I go like pausing that six minutes. I break it down in five rounds to 30 seconds, let's say something like that, you know. And then I stop for 20 seconds to catch my breath and then go again and then stop again. And keep that way, and then that work really well, really well. You yeah, know, because I, you are, you are able to save energy and to strategically explode when you see it, the opportunity, right? Because yeah. that's the important thing. When you see the opportunity, you have to have gas to explode. Yes, you're right. Yeah, great. Now moving from the physical cardio aspect to the psychological aspect, uh, a lot of people when it comes to competition, many times uh, they have hard time controlling the nerves right a lot of people does that and even black belts they i talked to many black belts and they were like well i always get nerves before the competition and uh it gets better when i get there but there is always that anxiety uh before competing do you also experience that uh yes not not anymore i mean now i still have it not the I didn't get it too crazy, but I do get excited to go, you know? Like, if I compete in uh, three big competitions making me like that, uh, World Master, Pan Ams, and European, you know, those three competitions, when I prepare myself really well, like, those those competitions put pressure on my shoulder where I want to win, and those times I felt nervous in the competition, but in the good way. Doesn't doesn't make me blind like a lot of people when go competing, they get a completely blind and they doesn't do anything. In my way, do the opposite, you know. I want I just need to manage it to don't pass, you know, because what happened, I get so excited when I get in the first match, I wanna kill. 
and then if I go too much, I will get out in the next two, the next match. You know, oh, yeah. I try to manage it to first round start aggressively, but not go over aggressively to don't get out. You know, I try mm-hmm. to be between my fight, and then uh, little by little I gotta calm down, and then most of the time in the second match I'm completely fine. The first match always the problem. After the first match. I start to calm down and then, because I already know, like, you know, we have those days. We never know if that day I'm going to compete well or not, you know? And then after the first match, I'm able to see, okay, I'm doing really well today. I feel strong. Everything works in the place, you know? I'm good. I will do really well today. And then we have the opposite. You have those days where I say, man, nothing working today. I need to play competition mode, like, no expose myself, just go for one little advantage. That way I can win the competition, you know, and then I can manage that as well too, you know. That's what I try to do. And, and what do you do for your students, right? Because you, as a, as a professor, you probably uh, feel when your student is nervous. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what do you do to calm them down? Okay, first thing, I never put a pressure on them. I never say, look, you got to win. If you're not win, you're going to be in trouble or something like that. Never. In my academy, competition is just to have fun. I don't care if you win or lose. You're gonna be my friend. You're gonna be my student. I don't care. Of course, if you do mistakes, the next day you're gonna come in the gym and fix all the mistakes. You know, I'm always gonna work to make my students get better and improve in the next competition, be able to do better. But you never will be in the mean way. You're never gonna see me like outside of there in call the guy. What the fuck? No, never, never gonna happen like that. Never gonna see me like this. I think that's a good point. And then I try to tell them, if you want to be a good competitor, you need to compete a lot. You know, more time you're on the match competing, that you start to make you building a confidence, you start to calm down a little bit, you start to understand better the process, and that's going to make you more calm, and then you're going to start to compete better and better and better. You know, that's what happened with me, and I believe that's all going to happen with everybody else. Yeah, that, uh, so... Uh, competing more, you believe that by competing more, the, the person will be more conditioned to handle the pressure. 100%, 100%. I remember the first, like, my first three competitions, I, I couldn't sleep for a week. I, I go in the bathroom the day 20 times, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I have, like, my hands sweating, my feet sweating, my whole body sweating, you know? And then little by little, as I compete more, I start to manage that better and better and better and better and better. And until now, for me, competing is the same way to come into the gym and train. You know, nothing changed. I just one more day, you know, because I competed pretty much every other weekend. You know, that's that's what makes me like really calm in those competitions. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I saw you at the Dallas Open, extremely calm about that. But as you said, uh, when it comes to words, It, it has a different hype, right? Because it's yeah. the world championship. You have a name. So that's put a lot of pressure on you. People are expecting and we're watching what you're going to do. Uh, I think that this also adds a, 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 a more pressure on you as well. Yes, 100%. I agree. And then that's why I told you the words and PNMs and Europeans that make me a little bit more more concentrate before the fight like you see me in Dallas you know I mean sit down hang with everybody talking you know and then in those big competitions you're probably gonna see me with my headset don't talk with anybody try to keep my focus think about my fight I will do my homework study every single guy I'm supposed to compete against and see what they're doing how can I stop the game where my game is gonna fit well against that guy against the other guy you know I do their homework as well too You know that, that's that's great that's great uh, 
um, uh, the the this advice about not putting pressure on the student, I think, is, is very important. Uh, I've seen some very extreme cases where the instructor, the professor, was screaming <laughs> at the student when he lost, and it's just uh, disappointing because at the end of the day, as you said, uh, most of the people that are competing, that they are there as a hobby. They are not professionals. So... Oh. The experience should be like let's have fun, let's let's learn. And there is a, a big value, I think, in my opinion. There is a big value when you lose because when you lose, you also see a lot of your mistakes. So many times, many times that loss is all what you need to learn what you should not do. Mm -hmm. I I can use my myself as example. I uh, if I win the competition, pretty much I don't remember anything I did, you know, because I just did what I'm doing every day. But if I, if I lose for anybody in the competition, I will tell right there after the match, I did that mistake. Or I mess up here and the guy take that mistake and then he do whatever he want, you know? That's the best way to never forget your mistakes and that way you can study and make it better and doesn't let that happen again, you know? So when you look back uh, of your competition, which match do you believe are one of the hardest one for you uh, that you were like, wow, this one, uh, it was probably my toughest one. Yeah, the, the rock in my shoes, it was uh, Michael Lange. You know, we fought like, uh, I was lightweight division. Michael Lange was, I think he's seven-time world champion as a doe. And we fought uh, maybe five or six times. And then uh, I lost most of the time by advantage for him. I think one time he beat me more than that one advantage. But most of the time it was advantage. And I never beat him. Uh, definitely he was the person who is giving me the hard time you know maybe if he doesn't do jiu-jitsu I can't I could be world champion as a dope you know and but he just helped me you know I believe he uh, he helped me and helped him because he knows I was a tough opponent and he worked harder to beat me and I know he's my tough opponent I work extremely hard to be able to one day beat him never happened but he was uh, always a really good battle he definitely was the my 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 main opponent. You know? And did you ever experience a situation where it was a little bit the opposite? Like you went to a fight, you didn't even know the guy, or the guy was not very well known, so you were a little confident, and then the guy surprised you. Did you ever experience that? Yeah, it's more as a color belt. As a black belt, it's hard to find a people like that, right? But as a color belt, yeah, it's one time I remember I fought as a purple belt. And I show up in, uh, I went to a small town in Sao Paulo, and then they have uh, their little competition, they paid money, you know, was, in that time, 2,000 reais was a lot of money, you know, now everybody paid double, a lot of more money, but uh, I traveled for that place in Sao Paulo just to fall, there has nobody with the name, I said, hey, you know what, I'm going to fight that competition, I don't know any person, and up in there, my first match was a guy who doesn't look a fight at all, a little chubby guy, you know, and the guy just passed my guard and in that point almost nobody passed my guard you know I was crazy about recovering really like and the guy passed my guard and beat me by 3-0 and that was a good for me wake up because I believe the guy was really good passing but it was a little bit my problem because I was suburban you know like oh nobody gonna beat me here I'm Formiga you know like in that point I was nobody you know just a proper belt try to become someone you know <laughs> and the guy surprised me and that was a good wake up listen Next time, you make sure you go 100% from the first second until the end. That way, they're not going to happen again. It was a, a nice lesson for myself, definitely. 
Yeah, no, I, I love those type of, of example because, as you said, you learn so much with those examples. You're like, like, I cannot take things for granted. Uh, I, I need to, to, to be serious regardless of my opponent. Yep, yeah. And I use, like, now as an example, like, uh, when I compete on any competition, I remember that was, I was my last year in, in adult division. That was nine years ago, okay? I competed in New York. And a guy who's 55 years old signed up to compete in my division, you know? And my wife say, hey, you gotta take it easy on him, baby. He just, he looked like your grandpa. I say, listen, he signed up in that division. That means he can take. Yeah. I'll fight against him like I'm in fight with the, the world champion. I don't care. And then I end up to meet the guy, you know? And like after, I was super nice with the guy. I'm sorry, you know, that's my job. I come here to fight, you know. I just did what I was supposed to do. And the guy, man, listen, that was a pleasure for me to fight again. The guy was super nice. But that was a good, perfect example. If he walk on the match and shake my hand, I don't care if he's big, he's small, I'm gonna do my best to be that guy, you know. After we finish, hug your friend, but during the match, forget about be friend, I'm gonna do my job, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I think that uh, taking serious is also a, a matter of respect. It, it shows that you respect him, right? It's not only that you are taking serious because you want to win, but you are uh, giving respect. Why I'm gonna go light with you just because you're old? If you are here to fight, I'm gonna go hard, right? Yeah, I can use like uh, your teammate as an example. You know, I fought with Diego on the final, the open class, and Diego like coming to me for me, got me a fan. I, I, <laughs> I training you at a black belt, always a white belt. Can you take it easy on me? I say, hey, Diego. <laughs> you, he, Diego beat like uh, Seconi, one of the top guys on my uh, on Master 2, you know? He's my tough opponent on Master 2, you know? And then I say, man, you just beat Seconi. No way he can take it easy on you because if I take it easy on you, you get in your game, I know going to be hard for me. I'm going to go 100% on you. And he said, okay, no, you're right. I'm just joking. It wasn't just joking. I know he doesn't ask me to go easy. He just want to play with me. Yeah. But why? And I really agree with I really uh, uh, think about that. You know, like, man, I cannot go easy because I can go with him. Maybe one purple belt can give me a hard time if he put me on his game. That's why I need to start from first, second, until to the end, go on my piece. That way, the guy will not be able to manage my techniques. And then probably I would be able to win, you know. Yeah, no, that's I love that example too. Uh, uh, so uh, we 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 talk a lot of uh, about many things, and, and I appreciate you taking the time. I know that you just finished teaching a class, so thank you for staying a little bit late here uh, to to talk about this. Um, to, to wrap up uh, uh, for me, what is your uh, general advice uh, for people that are try to improve uh, their jiu-jitsu because as I mainly again going back to, to old folks like myself master um, do you believe that you there is a, a kind of average you have to roll four times a day uh, and train three times a week what what, what is the the sweet spot you believe is okay. as much rows that you can do per, per training or you think you can manage, you know, between three, five? Uh, what is your general advice on that? Okay, my that's what I'm doing in my academy. Okay, for everybody, not just for over forty, but to over forty, we're gonna work as well. Okay, I try to do at, at least five rounds a day. Okay, over forty years old, my recommendation: train uh, three times a week and try to do five rounds a day. 
Why five rounds? Most of the time, we have between three to five matches in competition. If you want to be a competitor, it's important to do at least five rounds because if you compete in five times, if you never do five rounds in your academy, how come you're going to be prepared to competing if you never did that? Makes mm -hmm. sense? Like, you're yeah. going to probably get out in the second round and not be able to do the last two, the last three, you know? That's why my suggestion always do at least five rounds, you know? And the other thing I think is important to listen to your body, you know? That's the only person who, who is going to need you to tell you something, you know? I mean, of course, your coach and your body, you know? What do what you mean your body? Man, if you feel exhausting, like nothing left, I can't train him. Man, why are you going to the gym? Take that day off. Go on the next day, you know? Understand that day you go super tired to the gym, that's the day you're probably going to get an injury, probably not going to learn anything because your mind is not there, you know? Doesn't worth your time to go to the gym. Take that day off. You know, and go on the next day when you feel better, feel strong, you know, and that way you can do way better and learn new techniques and fight harder, and that's going to work way better, you know. Mm -hmm. My goal, over four years old, I will suggest three times a week, five rounds each of those times, you know, and then try to see what kind of game is going to work for you. Try to always bring your partners to your game. That way you play your game and not play somebody's game. What's going to make you way more tired, you know. And also, don't try to be a superhero. Remember, you're over 40. If you get any injury, you're going to be a way longer time to recover than when you are 17, 20 years old. Yep. You know? uh, be calm. If they have a submission, you're probably going to tap you anyway. If you wait too long, you're going to hurt yourself and end up tapping. If you're tapping before, you're not going to hurt yourself and you just tap, shake hands, and then maybe you have a chance to submit the guy after that. You know? That's gonna be. That's a good, really good uh uh, think like you. Yeah, that's a good mindset. Yeah, somebody, yeah. People, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, this is a important, very important mindset. Uh, for me, thank you very much again uh, for for your time. Uh, it was a, a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, really hope that uh, folks find this conversation ex, uh, ex, important because I thought it was uh, uh, full of great tips not only for competitors, but uh, BGJ practitioners. And, and thanks for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to share my, my a little bit about me, a little bit about what I'm thinking about Jiu-Jitsu. It's amazing to, I know a lot of people going to watch there and that's going to help a lot of people. And I'm here anytime you need me, man. Just let me know. We can do another one soon. All right, my friend. Take care. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in on the Overcome podcast. See you again next time. So guys, take care, guys. Take care, everyone.